0: Hi, my name is Chris Spotts, and I'm reading for Officer Chandler. I'm just stopping by to check with code compliance. Do you have a seller's
1: permit? You can't sell goods without a food seller's permit! I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, cops can't be funny, huh? <laughs> That's Chris Spotts auditioning for his role as a police officer in a web series called The Shokes. It was a big break for Chris because it would make him eligible to join SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, which would give him legitimacy in Hollywood as an actor. He was driving to Los Angeles to film this role when he was stopped by the police and shot himself.
2: Hello, guys. I'm sick
0: too. My wisdom tooth is hurting and my luggage from Europe hasn't arrived.
1: That's Adea Shabani, first arriving in Los Angeles. She'd been accepted to the Stella Adler Academy of Acting and Theater. It's one of the most highly respected and prestigious schools of its kind. Its alumni include people like Marlon Brando, Selma Hayek, Robert De Niro, Sybil Shepard, Henry Winkler. So it's also a big deal for an actor. Her story and Chris's story was not supposed to end like this. If there was a podcast featuring them, it should have been them acting in it. But instead, they're both gone far too soon. One a victim, the other a perpetrator. Leaving those who knew them, who cared about them, who believed they had a bright future, heartbroken with many unanswered questions.
3: Businesses have had to be flexible this year. From working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. Restaurants are moving their dining outdoors and adding takeout and catering. And major retailers are now selling face masks. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you have to hire for brand new roles. Thankfully, there's one place that you can always count on to making hiring faster and easier, ziprecruiter.com slash approach. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. Then, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com approach. That's ziprecruiter.com approach. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash approach. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: Appendix 2. Your questions.
2: Hi, I just had a question about the uh, notebook that was found in the truck. You had mentioned that Chris Spots said that he needed to tell his mother something. Um, And it was written in this notebook. And I was wondering if you guys could follow up on that.
1: In this special bonus episode, we'll be answering your questions about the podcast and about the investigation. We received hundreds of questions and theories via our voicemail line, our email, and social media, and this is one of them. The anonymous caller is referring to the journals that Jade and I found in Chris Botts' truck. We glanced at them, and the last line of the last journal, which she's referring to, jumped out to us. It's undated, but on closer examination, it does not appear to be about Adea. However, it was written at some point in the last few months of Chris's life. So I'll read it in its entirety, just in case there's a coded message here or further insight into Chris's psyche. And first, a little context about Chris Potts for background. His biological father is Chris Merez, who was not around for most of his childhood. His mother, Jade, who reported being stalked and harassed by Chris Merez, went on to marry someone bigger who she thought could protect her from Chris Merez. The problem is that this person, was also abusive. She broke up with him and started dating someone else. This person kidnapped Chris Spots and his brother Robbie, so he had a very turbulent childhood. Around the time Chris was 13, his mother Jade married Jack Spots, a childhood friend, and Chris's home life finally became stable. He writes, I need to forgive my family before I can forgive anyone else. It's been three Thanksgivings and two Christmases since I've been home to celebrate with my family. I can't seem to forgive Aunt Judy for what she said and did to me the night I proposed to Mary. I hope one day I can, but telling Jack that the spot's name does not carry with me is something that hurt more than any other words have yet. My last name has always been something I cherished, partly because until I was 13, I didn't have one. My last name is what I've been called since I was 15, Because Chris is so common, spots is the thing I am most proud of. And what she said took that from me. At least for a little bit it did. It took some part of belonging away from me. I can't shake it when I think about it. Still, I cry. But I hope that someday before it's too late, I can forgive her and return to my family. I think I need to tell my mother about this. She needs to know.
2: Hi, great podcast. I just finished and my question is... I never could understand who wiped her computer clean. So I'm curious, um, was there any video footage? Excited to hear about it. Thank you.
1: We dealt with this question a little in the previous bonus episode, but I'm going to go ahead and call Jaden, and we'll go into a little more depth on it here. So I'm answering some of the questions from the podcast, and someone asked, do we know whether someone was in a day's apartment that night? And... One thing we didn't discuss is, I think the police never grabbed footage, is that correct, for that evening? Surveillance footage? I
2: mean, not that I'm aware of, no. I don't think they ever bought into that theory. I mean, not to my knowledge, no. The only, the only surveillance footage I've ever seen or uh, heard referenced was just the footage of her leaving.
1: Second question is, isn't there a key fob system that allows you to know who's entering and exiting the building?
2: There is. Yes. Kaiser told me that, like, the guy that does it wasn't a The the something was wrong with the system. He couldn't get in.
1: Got it. And Kaiser is the but, police detective assigned to the case.
2: Correct. He, he was the lead detective.
1: So it's our theory, and I guess the police's theory, too, that the door was either left unlocked accidentally or intentionally by Chris?
2: Yeah, I think one or the other. There was an issue with that lock where when you turned it, it's, it sort of stopped. And if you turned the key back, it would allow you to pull it out and the door wasn't actually locked. You needed to like apply pressure to the door to get it to actually engage. And so I think we either believe that it was turned hastily like that and just left, or I think I think that's probably your 80%. And then I would say 20%. Chris actually had the forethought to leave it unlocked just to create a loose end. But I don't. I don't really. I think that's a low probability. I think higher probability is the jammed lock.
1: And as far as we know, nothing was deleted from the computer. Correct?
2: No. I mean, I think based on the forensics information you got and kind of the, what the type of activity it was, uh, I think that the the computer was just calling Google services and not actually not actually uh, user activity.
1: In investigations, is there a name for these kind of uh, things that come in early that get a lot of attention, but they oh, end it's up like being... Oh, red, like a red herring. Got it. So it's another red herring.
3: Sure. Hi, this is Kristen calling from Massachusetts. I just have a question about the finale episode,
2: and specifically um, your chat with Kim Merez. And I'm just wondering if, if Chris Merez told her all of this, how did she not
3: go to the police and the authorities and tell them what she knew.
1: Hey, Kristen. In the particular case of Kimarez, I think what's important to realize is that someone who's been emotionally and physically abused often doesn't come forward with information. And this happens for a number of reasons. Among them is fear. They're afraid that if they come forward based on their very real experience with a the perpetrator, there will be negative repercussions for themselves and their family. And the system often doesn't adequately or even remotely protect these women. Secondly, because of worries of shame and judgment about them, which is in a sense what this question and a bunch of other people asked a similar thing is. I think it was a brave thing for her to come forward. She was willing to speak when Jada and I came to her door and was very open and wanted the truth told. Third, because of post-traumatic stress. Fourth, because of what's called trauma bonding. And this is the case with Kim, and this is very common is when people come from households that are abusive, they unconsciously correlate love with abuse. And they can feel loyal to a perpetrator, and even though they're the victim, not wanna hurt that other person who abused them. So as a culture, if we want people like him to come forward about this, we need a lot more empathy and understanding, and we need to make this a whole lot safer to do so.
2: My question is, whether you re interviewed Chris Spatz's friend who was in the car with him the day he killed himself after you put everything together. Because the friend's story was basically that they were going to go torture the truth out of Chris Morez to try and find Adea's body. And now that you kind of figured out what actually happened to day, we can probably assume that that's not true. So I'm wondering if you thought maybe Chris Spotts was worried that Chris Morez would turn on him and turn him in. Or if you thought maybe the friend knew what happened and just said that story to you and to police to cover Chris Spots' true intentions and to pin it on his dad, this is a crazy story, but i um, so glad you told it. Thanks. Bye.
1: Hey, Ashley. I've actually spoken to Chance many, many times since. And one of the roughest things about doing this podcast was really seeing Chris Spots through the eyes of his loyal friends like Chance, through Mary's eyes, through Jade's eyes, and how much they believed and trusted him. Yet from the moment of Chris's affair, he sank deep into a world of deception. His world split into compartments whose walls were reinforced by lies. And after Edea was murdered, he became even more desperate not to be found out. And those lies and that deception and that manipulation increased, especially as father became pitted against son in an Oedipal race to throw each other under the bus for Edea's murder and burial. So it's been hard for everyone who knew him and who believed in him to come to terms with the fact, not just of what Chris did, but that for a full month afterward, Chris was protesting his innocence and they were believing him. So yes, Chance believed Chris, Chance trusted Chris, and I'm looking at a text from him right now. He was shook to his very core by what Kim Rez said in episode 12. And he's still trying to reconcile the mentor he looked up to with this other person, a murderer who apparently took advantage of Chance's trusting nature and almost made him an accomplice to his second act of violence. I mean, Chance very easily and likely would have ended up in prison for the rest of his life. And Chance, by the way, outside of this, is doing great. He's done a lot of trauma healing work. He just had a baby daughter. And here's Chance on the experience of listening to this podcast.
2: It's, uh, it's been crazy, like, listening to these things weekly, dude. It's been emotional as
3: shit. But, I don't know, I'm getting some closure. Hi, this is Kim O'Donnell calling from Boston. And my question is whether or not you think Mary had any involvement in terms of egging Chris on to do this, asking Chris to do this, demanding Chris do this. I know she seems like she's such a lovely lady, but if you're not part of the Facebook group to live and die in L.A., you should be. There's a lot of theories on there about Mary.
2: Anyway, he says that shortly before... Adele went missing. He knows that it was like he knows it was before she went missing, and he says it was Mary was the one that
1: he... That's Jaden calling with a big tip that came in about Mary early in the investigation. It was even from someone who worked with her. And the reason I'm not playing it is because Jaden and I spent a full week investigating it, talking to everyone, talking to Mary, looking into it from every angle possible, and there was absolutely no truth to it. So what you don't hear on this podcast is the many tips, leads, and avenues we exhaustively ran down to see if there was any truth to something coming in. So to answer your question, Mary did not know about this. She did not encourage it. She did not egg it on, and there was no possible way she would ever even tacitly or subtly encourage the murder of another human being. And I don't actually know about the Facebook group, but I'm going to check it out. And a little spoiler for season two, it's the case that I've been investigating since before the Adea case. And I'm ready to talk about it now, and I'm sure I'll be lurking in the Facebook group then. So keep it going. Looking forward to reading your theories.
2: Yeah, my question is about the shovel. When did he buy the shovel at the lumberyard? Uh, surely it wasn't when she was still alive, because he'd be walking out with a murder kit. Um, and if he bought it after she was dead in the driveway, supposedly, then how did he kill her with the shovel that he bought later? Unless he needed two shovels for somebody to help him dig the hole.
1: Thank you for your question. And it's interesting, when people listen to a podcast, sometimes they can tune out or their mind's going to be somewhere else so they can miss a part of what's going on as opposed to reading a book. So... Chris Potts did buy the shovel, the gloves, the flashlight, before going to pick up Edaya on the night she disappeared. And yes, he did walk into a hardware store, buy a murder kit, as you put it, and walk right out. So thank you for your question. And this really is why we need people really watching and thinking and paying attention in their jobs and as they go about their lives and reporting things if they do look suspicious. Oh, I saw it here. You guys have some other round-point shovel. I just don't know the length. I'll go take a look in the back. Okay, do you think it would be at another uh, animal lumber or something? Hopefully this receipt isn't looked for here <laughs> from now. In the
3: first episode, And um, in some of the other episodes you had mentioned being threatened, you and your family and some of the other people working on the podcast, I was wondering if you can reveal who it was that threatened you and your um, peers. Um, And my name is Ashley. I'm from Jacksonville,
1: Florida. Thanks, Ashley. And we actually do have some of those threats on recording. And we made a decision not to include that part of the story in the podcast because I don't want to make it about me. It is about Edea, and I would like to name them and call them out here, but the police know who they are, Jada knows who they are, my security contacts know who they are, so it's dealt with for now and for the future. I've learned a lot from this experience.
0: This Monday night on CBS, it's the return of the CBS original series All Rise, a legal drama where Judge Lola Carmichael, played by Simone Missick, is a dynamic and bold African-American judge fighting to change a flawed legal system. There are compelling cases told in unexpected ways, featuring beloved characters and plot twists. It's entertaining, heart-stopping, absurd, but ultimately hopeful. The All Rise season premiere this Monday night, 9, 8 central on CBS.
1: One of our longtime sponsors making this podcast possible is sleep number. I happen to be a customer of theirs and have one of their beds. And for those who know what I'm talking about or have been to a sleep number store or own one, my sleep number is 60, which is a slightly more firm mattress. My sleep IQ is 80, which is pretty healthy sleep. I'm still working on it. And quality sleep is more important than ever as we head into winter. Not only is it a natural immunity booster, but it can also help with energy and recovery. With fall daylight savings time coming up, Take advantage of that extra hour of sleep. According to Sleep Number Research, Sleep IQ sleepers slept the longest the night daylight savings time ends in the fall, which was 8 hours and 27 minutes, compared to the usual 7 hours and 45 minutes. It's a great time to adjust your bedtime routine and sleep schedule for better quality sleep. A few tips for adjusting to daylight savings time is go to bed 15 minutes earlier for a few days leading up to the time change. Try to get outside for morning or early afternoon light to reset your internal clock. Stick to a consistent sleep routine to sleep better and dim the lights and turn off screens an hour before bed to prepare for sleep. I actually take it a step further and use red lights to avoid blue light. You can look that up if you want more information on that. Discover the Sleep Number 360 smart bed for proven quality sleep. During the Veterans Day Sale, save $1,000 on a special edition smart bed which is now 1799 That's 1799 Plus exclusive offers for military members. For a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash liveLA. That's sleepnumber.com slash liveLA. With so many questions coming in via email and social media, I actually invited Jaden to join me in the Cadence 13 studio in Los Angeles to answer more of your queries. But before we begin, I want to quickly address a few things that haven't been asked. In episode 9, after Jade talked about her terrifying stalking experiences with Chris Mores, I did promise I would get his responses, and I did speak to Chris Mores after the episode aired. He listened to it, and we went over his response several times. He stated that everything Jade claimed is not true, and that the worst that ever happened to him in Colorado was that he got arrested for a DUI. So that's Chris Merez's comment. Moving on, this is Jaden and I running quickly through some of your other questions together in the studio. Starting with an anonymous question from Facebook, was a apartment dusted for prints and treated as a crime scene, given that someone entered and accessed her computer after she went
0: missing? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, no, that did not happen, just based on the way that the case unfolded. Because first, the friends came in first. or the police came in to do a welfare check first. Sure. And that,
1: that's a contaminated crime scene right there. Yeah, then they came back a second time when they realized it might have been foul play. Right. But it was still just patrol officers that came back. Right. So, so the point being is one of the reasons we do these podcasts is that missing people fall into this gray area where if there's not... Clear evidence of foul play, or a or, or body that it's not treated like a and preserved like a crime scene, and and then later, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Next question is, uh, what happened to Adea's phone?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, two things a day phone, she was not using Google services, so we don't have the depth of detail that we did with uh, Chris Spotts's phone. And also because the phone was missing and replaced, uh, we have some gaps in the iCloud backups that kind of precluded us from getting, um, those critical few days before she went missing.
1: Yeah. Specifically the last three days, nobody has because Chris snapped and broke his iPhone and we've uh, tried to get that repaired, and I guess the motherboard is too damaged. Mm-hmm. It if, is. Uh, if anyone here is a genius iPhone repair person and is better than Jaden's service, we're 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 happy to, to 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 look into another way to get in, in on that. But I'm, but he also I'm sure he he deleted everything anyway. And sure. Adaya's iPhone hadn't been backed up for three days with iCloud, so that crucial last three days of communication we we don't have. Also, obviously, Adaya brought her iphone presumably on the road trip and it was disposed of along the way so that's gone another person asked how how did chris have a phone didn't he break his phone and the answer is yes usually when you break your phone you get a new phone as soon as possible so he took an android phone of mary's and and was using that phone
0: yeah, and that actually, you know, was one of the reasons that we were able to get that granular tracking because, you know, of course, the Android phone interacting with Google's system gives us, you know, very, very detailed maps. So I don't know whether he would have had that level of detail with the iPhone. Was Chris Marez's phone ever tracked? Uh, no, I mean his phone was not tracked by us. I mean, we didn't have access to any Google data on his phone or anything like that, um, and I doubt. You know, cell phone pings would have been very useful on his phone, just due to the rural location and the proximity to kind of the the interesting locations where Adaya's body was found. Is so close to his house, it would have likely been on the same tower. Would not have given much relevant data.
1: Do we know if the police were present when killed when Chris uh, killed himself? And the answer is, they were present outside the car. They didn't. They saw that just the shot. When they approached the car after shooting the bean bags, they saw what had happened,
0: yeah, all that sounds typical of uh, you know felony traffic stop uh, another question where he dropped
1: chance in relation to where he killed himself and I think they're asking for this to see if chance witnessed it
0: right and and no he he definitely didn't witness it it was sometime you know between uh you know during a sixty mile chase right um, you know for whatever reason whether uh you know chris uh didn't want him in the car to talk him out of doing something that he wanted to do or didn't want to get him involved. I mean we all know and I think you know Chance was just speculating when when we talked about that. He didn't really know the motive.
1: Yeah and and, and Chance had mentioned this. It wasn't in the podcast but when Chris was pulled over he threw his keys out of the car as instructed mm-hmm. and, uh, and then grabbed another set of key and told Chance always carry a spare set motherfucker and just kind of took off. He just didn't want to deal with consequences. He didn't want to deal with the consequences of ending his affair with Adea, and he didn't want to deal with the consequences of what he did to Adea. Right. Okay. Was Mary looked into? Was Adea this is from Michelle. Was Mary looked into? Was Ada prescribed Valium? Uh, if not, Mary's a nurse, could she have given that?
0: Yeah, I mean, we did get a, a tip early on about that that seemed to be pretty unfounded. You know, Adea had used Valium recreationally. Before And certainly the the dose, the the amount that was in her system at the time of her death was recreational. It wasn't, uh, you know, an overdose level or even really an impairment level based on, you know, what we know.
1: There was a question about the meth in Chris's truck. And what we know about the meth in Chris's truck, this is from Tiffany. What we know about the meth in Chris's truck, Chance very adamantly and convincingly tells me that it's not his, and he would tell me if he was doing it, he hasn't done meth for a long time. Also, in Chris's toxicology report, there was no meth found in his system, so it's unclear if Chris Botts was using meth, or if... I don't know. I don't have an explanation for
0: that baggie. Well, it could have been old. It could have been... It definitely wasn't uh, a lot. Yeah. You know, we didn't find any other paraphernalia, so... And
1: it could have been done once for a long road trip.
0: Yeah, it could have been.
1: Okay, next question. At the beginning of the story, there's a recording of Adaya telling Chris that he beat her and to give her her Rolex back. Where does the recording of Adea asking for a Rolex back come into play, since this is the watch he still had when he returned home to Mary?
0: Yeah, so this recording was made uh, in the parking garage of Adea's apartment building. Uh, she was in Chris Spots truck. Uh, he was outside. Uh, they were arguing this was a day where it was a, you know, they had had a series of, of big arguments and, and, and issues. The Rolex, she was saying that he stole it. You know, he had over a period of time taken it, I think a couple of times as well as her phone. Um, the watch was returned to her, but eventually, you know, Chris did end up with it and brought it home.
1: With yeah, it. I did. I did uh, look into the Rolex to the best, the best that, that I could. And which is that a, he came home with it. So he didn't pull it on the way home. Right. Uh, when he saw a chance, he no longer had the Rolex at that point because thought maybe they pawned it on the road trip. The coroner found $1,800 mm-hmm. on, on Chris Spots, so that money could have been from pawning the Rolex. Mary did say and, that Chris had this idea he was going to pawn the Rolex, change his face and identity, and move to Mexico.
0: I mean, a lot of people go missing.
1: Amanda asks, We live in Fort Morgan and have heard rumors that Jade has moved away and that Mary went with her. So that's the first question. And that is true. I mean, the, the, the repercussions of these cases on the families involved are so great. And I think the kids were getting harassed at school, which is not fair to do to, these, to, to minors and young children. They were getting some threats on Facebook. And they just wanted to go somewhere where no one knew, knew them uh, and just start all over. It, it's just so hard. It's just so hard on these, these families, These the stories that don't get told. So they did move away from the town that I think like the Spots family like was part of like almost part of founding you know early settlers there
0: oh yeah you know they were very um, entrenched in that small community
1: and then they, she asks why would Mary essentially throw Jade under the bus and tell us about Chris sitting on the couch when Jaden went to look with, for him what would Mary gain from this
0: well, I think you know that goes as a testament to the amount of information and the, and the, the candor that Mary uh, had when talking to you um, you know she was just providing you with the reality of what happened.
1: Yeah, and she's not
0: throwing Jade under the bus. She was just saying, because she's actually defending Jade.
1: Like, there was a very, there there were a very honest moment there which is Jade and came to the door.
0: Yeah, she's throwing me under the bus. I (laughs) mean, you know, had we not gotten, uh, you know, had we not gotten tricked by Chris Merez and uh, some other elements of the case, you know, had not presented, um, I would have gone back the next day. And uh, certainly, you know, that's one of those, yeah, it's one of those moments where I think, you know, it could have been, it, it, the whole thing could have ended differently. I mean, not for Adea, but, you know,
1: for Chris. Right. I mean, I, th- I think, but I think even for Adaya, for Chris to face the justice system, maybe would be a better oh, sure. outcome. Yeah. I, and I think Mary's point was that there are all these little moments where an entire case could have turned out differently. Right? Even early on with, with Chris and Adaya, if Chris hadn't, and Adaya hadn't gotten back together. Sure. If maybe you had spoken to Chris Spotts that day or spoken to Jay the next day, there were all these moments when things could have turned out differently. Right. One thing I found out about that I didn't share in the podcast, just because it didn't feel like it should be part of the story is when I got into Chris's email in his Gmail, I found that he was on my mailing list and was like a reader of my books. Mm-hmm. And the one of the last emails he opened in the last couple of days was an email from me not knowing he didn't i never uh, reached out to him so he didn't know I was looking for him mm-hmm. yet or was even involved uh it was and 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 chance told me on the road trip on the way back he was talking about my books to chance mm. and so what i think what i was thinking what i've thought since is man maybe if he if i did try to reach out to him and if i knew that and i said hey i'm someone you can trust and we can talk about this you know maybe he could fa- face justice and then maybe chris Everybody involved could have been arrested. Right. So the I think, and I think it's interesting, and nothing about that is everybody has these questions about every, every friend of Adaya's. Uh There's a friend who is friends with both Adea and Chris that Adea had reached out to early on, saying, "I need help with Chris. Where's Chris? I can't find Chris. Why'd you text Chris this?" And Adea and the friend were going to meet. Chris told the friend, "No, don't meet with her." In these last couple days, and so she didn't. And she thought, "Shoot, what if I had met with Adia?" You know, every person, every friend of a day is a day. Nora, everybody thinks, what if, and what if, and what if. It's it's one of those questions you're left with. Right. No, uh, For sure. What about video footage from the gas station he stopped at? So we, we followed up with every single one of the places he stopped. Everything was expired except for what we got from the hotel.
0: Correct. Yeah, everything except for the hotel. And uh, I think... From our stops and our follow-up calls, it doesn't appear that LAPD ever stopped or requested any of that footage. The only reason that we got the footage from the hotel is because they had requested it and, and they had held on to the footage. So we were able to get that. Shauna
1: asks, how does Chris morez's statement, as well as the statement from his ex-wife, match up to the Google data that you have from the time period after Chris Botts left the private driveway and before he drove into
0: the wilderness area? Right, I think that... <clears throat> that his ex-wife Kim's statement was uh, highly consistent with what we saw in the Google data, which, you know, lended a lot of credibility to uh, what Chris Merez had told her.
1: And even in my last interview with Chris Morez he said that Chris Spatz had spent around four hours at his house, which is closer to the Google data, which was around five hours. Someone else asked how Chris Spotts got his guns. <clears throat> and this is a pretty terrifying to me, in a sense. Here's a person who's suspected of murder who went, I believe Mary got the gun and he went with her and got the gun. But the fact that when you're supposedly being watched by the police and you're a suspect in a murder, that you can then go obtain a gun is hard for me to fathom.
0: Yes. I mean, no. I mean, I think at that point he was definitely not being uh, surveilled.
1: Based on these questions, it feels like we did answer most of the questions within the podcast itself. I think these are all great details, great things you're noticing, great questions, and anything new. I know people have asked about the tip that Jaden got. That's something he's exploring now.
0: Correct. Yeah, we're, we're actively working on that now, and we'll hopefully have an update soon.
1: Thank you for your questions and for listening to this special bonus Q&A episode of To Live and Die in L.A. I do want to make a note about the police based on some of your questions. Hardworking people who devoted more resources and care to this case than they do to many others. We've only gotten this far in this podcast because I have a caseload of one, and I've been working on it with Jaden for 14 months. I wish our system had more people and more resources for the missing who fall into that gray area sometimes of not knowing whether it's foul play or voluntary. But since the system doesn't, through what I've learned from Medea's case, I've been able to help other families. And one that I'm very passionate about is the topic of a special live bonus episode next week. We'll share the full story of what happened to Matthew Weaver for the first time in the hopes that through the power of you, the listeners, perhaps we can bring them some answers and some closure. That feeling of uncertainty, of not knowing where your child is for an extended period of time, is a horrible place to live in. A special thanks in this episode to Jamie Sheffman and Zach Jurich of Salt Audio, for making this episode possible while Alex was on a much-deserved vacation. And also, of course, thanks to Donald and Payne and especially Mike Rooney at Tenderfoot TV and Grace Royer at UTA. Please continue to leave us your questions and comments on our voicemail line at 213-204-2073 and via email at livediela at tenderfoot.tv. Thank you for listening to and participating in, and for some of you helping to solve the tragic case of Idaya Shabani. May she live on forever in your hearts and in your memories.
0: Uh, Oh, hey, I'm I'm Neil. I want to introduce myself because um, I'm, uh,
1: I'm actually here for a strange reason. I'm at the premiere of The Shokes, the web series you heard Chris Spots auditioning for at the beginning of this episode. And I'm speaking with the actor who took his place in the series the day after he killed himself. Maybe the next day that they texted me and they said, you're never going to guess what happened. The guy that you were going, that was going to play your role, he, like, ended up, like, killing his girlfriend and then himself. When he was pulled over by the police and yes. shot himself, he was driving down here to do this. Wow. And, and he his whole thing was like, I want to show the world who, who I am as an actor. This is the that I got a great stand. No. Yeah. Like after killing like, someone.
0: This is
2: like the Hollywood land story. Yeah,
1: Peggy Entwistle, who jumped off the H of the Hollywood Because She wasn't getting any like, acting roles, mm-hmm. and that's all she wanted. We always theorized because she had this abusive. At, at the time, the and we theorized life. that there was foul play, you oh, know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe that should be my next podcast. I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.